WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Engineering and art seem unrelated, but they're greatly intertwined, especially when it comes to the tools of the art trade. Many people do not realize the machines and tools that are needed to construct art pieces, which is why the Kresge Art Building at MSU has a machine shop. To tell us more about the tools used in art, we are talking to Kian Bates. Welcome, Kian. May you please introduce yourself and your research? Yes, hello. My name is Kian Bates. I've lived in East Lansing for most of my life, so I've always been around MSU, and I've always been really interested in like robotics and engineering. Another big part of my life has been art and painting. I've always done it. It's been something I've been very interested in since I was a kid. Always been very artistic, too. When I got into college, I took a class. It was my first semester. It was just honors research class where I could use microscope to look at something and then make a project for it. And then I could submit it to the URAF competition and get an honors credit and a good grade for it. But I decided to look at paintbrushes because it's just something I've always been interested in. And I do a lot of painting, especially in like acrylic and oil painting. So I wondered, because the bristles of paintbrushes are vastly different between the different types of paintbrushes, because you have acrylic paintbrushes that are all synthetic fibers. And you have oil brushes that are always natural fibers like hair. Meanwhile, watercolor brushes, the lower end ones tend to be synthetic. Upper end ones tend to be natural hair. So I was curious as to why that is. So I decided to take a look at them under the microscope to see if I could see any major differences. Nice to meet you, Kian, and thanks for joining us this morning. When it comes to paintbrushes, Why do some of them come with different bristles or hairs versus the other? And what's the purpose behind that? Some paintbrushes, like the ones used for acrylics, are made primarily out of synthetic fibers like nylon or polyester. And oil brushes are typically made from like hog or sable hair and are always natural fibers. And I was curious about why that is. And watercolor brushes tend to kind of be a mix of both. Lower end ones tend to be synthetic. Meanwhile, the upper end brushes tend to be natural hairs. The why is very interesting, I found. So when you're painting with the brushes, specifically the reason the acrylics are always synthetic and the oils are always natural, when you paint with acrylic paint, the pH of acrylic paint is actually fairly high. And when you use natural fibers, it will break them down. And subsequently, after using them, they will start to drop bristles on the canvas or the paper, which can lead to some weird texture and it just doesn't look good. And the same thing happens when you use acrylic versus oil paint, because when the synthetic fibers of the acrylic brush hits the solvent, which is turpentine typically used in oil painting, the turpentine will mix with the synthetic plastic and kind of break it down and it will leave a lot of bristles on the page and it doesn't look good. But with the watercolor, I noticed stuff was kind of different with that. When you use watercolor brushes, that's where the SEM, the scanning electron microscope, came into play. 
the size of the bristles really mattered with that one. The bigger bristles, they didn't work as smoothly as the thinner ones. I've painted before with many different materials, and I've sometimes used the wrong brush before, and whenever I've done this, the bristles actually do come off on the canvas, and it just destroys the art piece and it destroys the canvas. You also mentioned that you're using scanning electron microscope, also known as SEM. Our audience may not be familiar with SEM. May you please describe what that is? Yeah, the SEM is called a scanning electron microscope. And what it does is it shoots electrons at a sample. And in this case, it was paintbrush bristles. And the electrons will hit the sample. And I use specifically secondary electron imaging, which allowed me to use a receptor that would take the electrons that bounced off of the sample, and it would collect them and make an image out of it. And it allows you to see things very close up and at a lot of detail. I use that to look at specifically the topography of the different brushes and their size. So that very much helped me in figuring out the difference with the watercolor brushes. It's really cool to me how scientists are able to actually make pictures using electrons rather than the optical method that people are really familiar with whenever they're using a microscope to look at cells. You had said that you look at the paintbrushes under the microscope, but I'm curious about if whether or not you look at them with and without paint. And if you do, what kind of differences are you seeing? Can you actually see the individual bristles of the paintbrush with the paint on it? I didn't actually look at them with the paint. I Sadly, because of the pandemic, I only got one chance to be able to go in and I only used some new samples that I had purchased, so I wasn't able to actually use them yet. However, that was one thing I was thinking going onwards. I would have to use a different microscope for that, but it's the same kind of deal. It's called an environmental SEM. The normal SEM, you need the chamber to be in a vacuum, which means you can't have anything wet or anything with any sort of non-conductivity to it because I had to coat my samples in a, I think it was a nickel dusting in order to be able to image them. So in an environmental SEM, you can take wet samples or non-conductive samples and put them in there and it doesn't quite go to a vacuum and you can see things that you otherwise wouldn't be able to see in a normal SEM. Yeah, it's unfortunate how the pandemic can affect research. It is good that you were able to go in for a little, though. Whenever you went in, were you only observing new paintbrushes or were you observing paintbrushes that you might have used, for example, in the past? I only used new paintbrushes because I wanted to get some clean samples that I hadn't used before because I know I've been guilty of it. I've used most of my personal paintbrushes for the wrong types of paint, and I didn't want that to affect any of it. So I did purchase new ones. They were starched, but most in order to keep their shape. But most paintbrushes, most of the bristles had quite a bit of the starch flaked off. So I was able to get some very clean pictures of it. So that was kind of something I thought about after the fact. But once again, I only got one chance to go in. So otherwise, I would have probably washed them and then looked at them that way. And then I would have put paint on them and then looked at them that way again. And I probably would have taken a bunch more pictures, but it's just sad how the pandemic has hindered things. Well, hopefully with the pandemic getting better, you'll be able to start your sophomore year off and maybe continue to do some of this research and look at some of those things that you were just talking about to investigate inside the lab. When it comes to the work that you've been able to perform so far, 
How have you been able to quantify and characterize the paintbrushes? Did you do something outside the lab to also characterize the paintbrushes? When I was doing my research, I did quite a bit of painting while I was just doing my studies, and I used the paintbrushes that I had bought and put under the SEM to paint. And I observed how they acted after a while. I noticed that after just a couple hours of painting with the wrong type of paint, the bristles would start to fall off and be collected on the canvas. And I took a couple notes about it while I was painting. I did quite a bit of pieces with it. So I didn't quite include pictures of that in my research. That and I'm not a huge fan of watercolor. So I just kind of did a lot of testing on paper with that. So I did quite a bit of research outside of it to characterize how many bristles fell off, how quickly, and kind of how much time it took. Like I said before, I'm guilty of doing this by accident. Is there a paint out there that you can use any brush with and it wouldn't affect the bristles falling off? That does appear to happen with watercolor. And actually, after a bit of research online, I've noticed that gouache, which is something I didn't quite test, is fairly easy on paintbrushes because it is slightly oil and water-based. So you can use either water or turpentine, and it's kind of like a watercolor and an oil paint and an acrylic. Like Chelsea, I've also had a bit of experience when it comes to painting. But I've never heard of this before. What on earth is gouache? Could you explain that a little bit for us? I was fairly confused myself when I first heard about it. When I was doing my research as to the paintbrushes, I came across a fairly helpful website that gave quite a bit of information about different types of brushes and the kinds of paint they're used for. And it listed gouache as one of the things, and I was very interested in it. So I did a little bit of research because I had never heard of it either. And turns out it's like an oil and water-based paint. And it's kind of a mix between all of them, like watercolor and acrylic and oil. I've never used it, but I've seen a couple of YouTube videos of it being used, and it seems fairly interesting. So I think I'm going to buy some and hopefully try it out and see how it works with the different paintbrushes. It sounds quite versatile. I think I'm going to look into it after this interview. It sounds fun to play with. I used to work in an elementary school before, and I've seen students really abuse the paintbrushes before. For example, they would just get a paintbrush and stab it into the paper, and you would see the bristles really getting messed up. Whenever you were conducting the study, did you apply different pressures and different angles to the paintbrushes to see how the bristles would be affected? Actually, yes, I did. It was fairly interesting. I took just general note, whether it was the paintbrushes that I had bought and put under the SEM or just my other personal brushes. I put some of them through quite a bit of abuse when I was blending some paintings. And it seemed that, of course, the more pressure and the more rough you are with the paintbrush, the more bristles it will drop, especially if you're using the wrong paint. But typically what that does is it loosens the glues and the bindings when you really abuse a paintbrush and it will kind of just rip the bristles out rather than kind of dissolve them or weaken them. It just kind of rips them out, and it's fairly destructive. Interesting how you were able to expand the number of degrees of freedom in your research, looking at all those different aspects, like such as the angle and the incidence of which you're painting the actual canvas. On a different note, when it comes to the actual brush itself, 
Did you find any differences between whether or not a high quality brush made a difference versus the lower quality ones when it comes to the actual bristles on the brush? And how did that change for the different kinds of bristles? So I found that the price point really came into play with the watercolor brushes because the more high-end watercolor brushes are made typically from natural fibers. And most of the very high-end ones are made from like black sable and stuff like that, which are very fine hairs and natural hairs tend to work better with the water and deposit it a lot more smoothly. And the finer the bristles, the better it can hold the pigment and the water and dispense it at a much longer and even rate. Meanwhile, with the synthetic brushes, because of the texture of them, which is fairly smooth compared to a natural hairbrush. It just slips off and you get a much rougher blend when you use them. For those of you who don't know, Danny and I actually did two murals at East Lansing's Valley Court Park. And whenever we did this, we used acrylic paint, but it was more like porch paint that was mixed with anti-skid mix. So whenever we were using the brushes, we didn't actually think about the maintenance and the cleaning about it. We were so focused on creating these art pieces because one of them was over 60 feet long. So we were out in the sun and we weren't really thinking about the paintbrushes. Afterwards, the paintbrushes were so difficult to clean. Keon, do you have any recommendations about the maintenance and the cleaning of these paintbrushes? And did you take that into account with your research? Yeah, one thing I've noticed with paintbrushes, especially when it comes to maintenance, is the biggest thing is just cleaning it regularly. If you're painting for a long time, whether it be hours or you're leaving stuff for days, regularly, like every 20 minutes or so, you should be rinsing off your brush and just cleaning it and like really getting in there. Because when the paint dries in the little metal bit, when it really gets up in there, when the paint dries, it loosens the glue and can cause your brushes to deteriorate a lot faster and bristles to drop. And in order to keep like the shape of your brushes, especially if you're using your brushes quite a bit and you paint fairly hard, every once in a while you should starch them like you would starch like pants. You would make a little water and starch mixture and then you just dip the brush in and shape it with your fingers and shape it to the shape that you need it to be in. And then you just leave it to dry and then it'll stay in the shape a lot longer if you do that regularly. Maybe once it starts to lose its shape or so, depending on how much you abuse the brush. Thanks for those helpful tips. I've never heard of that water starch mix before being used. I think it's great that you can keep and maintain the shape of the paintbrush bristles in the form that it originally was part of. I've never actually heard of other fields studying the relationship between materials and the paint that's used. What have other people found when studying the tools used to create art, if any have actually been performed? I will say there's not a great deal of research into it. As I mentioned earlier, I did find a very helpful website. The name of it slips my mind at the current moment. But I found quite a bit of helpful stuff on there, as well as information on things like gouache and acrylic paint and oil paint. But, you know, there's not a lot of research into it. And it, a lot of science-minded people do have 
creative pursuits, but I do notice that most of them tend to be in like music or photography or stuff like that. Meanwhile, painting gets left in the dust. It's more of a renaissance kind of deal where you'd have really smart people also doing a lot of painting. But it's something that could use a great deal of research because if we improve the tools used in art and stuff like that, then we can make better pieces and allow people to be able to express themselves a lot more clearly and have it be more accessible to a lot more people because it's a really fun thing to do and it can really help a lot of people. And if we make the materials more accessible and cheaper to make, then more people will be able to access art. I agree because art supplies can get pretty pricey. Now, something that I really enjoy about this interview is that you're a scientist and an artist. As Daniel and I have alluded, we are also science artists, and we really do enjoy incorporating science and art. Some people are also nervous because they feel like they're not creative enough. Do you have any advice for people who may want to get started with art? Well, if you want to start out doing art, I think one of the simplest things would just be like, go to Walmart, get some cheap canvases, get some cheap paint and some paintbrushes and just go from there. You can watch free videos on YouTube that shows you a lot of techniques that you can possibly use. I know I have quite a bit of difficulty with watercolor. And so when I was painting with watercolor, I did a little bit of research on YouTube just to figure out a little bit. And that can be very helpful, but just buy yourself some cheap stuff to start out with and go for it. You'll learn from there. Just the more you do it, the better you'll get and the happier you'll be with it. You always look back on your old stuff and you're like, oh, it's not good. But, you know, at the time you were really proud of it. So go for it and throw caution to the wind, I guess, and be yourself. It's like Jake Dog says in Adventure Time. Everybody always starts off sucking at things, but that's the first step to before actually getting kind of good at something. When I was first starting to get into it, I was also really nervous about the quality of what I was producing. But over time, it just got better because of regular practice. Thanks again for joining us this morning, Kian, to talk to us about your work on paintbrush bristles and the research you've done on it so far. Good luck with it as you continue in your undergrad. And thanks for joining us again. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science. 